next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. The evil-minded Q is back and desperate. What is it you want, Q? Sanctuary on this ship. His powers have been destroyed. Help me! Leaving him a mere mortal. Just one of the boys, eh? No. Alien forces are out for the kill, and only the Enterprise stands in their way on Star Trek The Next Generation. Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Adam Bowen, and with me, seeing Q's continuum as he shows up naked on the bridge of the Enterprise are... Oh, <laughs> Emily Bowen Marler. <laughs> Rudicus Baker. <laughs> Welcome to Strange New Takes. Uh, today we're plugging into the StarTrek.com Villain Showdown. This, week, this week's poll was between Q and Badgie, and while that's a very... Um, hard <laughs> one to decide between uh we 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 thought uh we had a long difficult session where we tried to to uh essentially figure out where we f- felt about things and we decided on Q. so we are going to be recapping an episode featuring him uh which is deja Q, the 13th episode of the third season of the next generation but before we do that, we want to remind you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about us. And hey, you could also give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help boost our um, where we show up on lists and maybe more people will listen to us. And bringing you week after week, two weeks in a row now. It's not week after week, really, but uh, uh, two weeks in a row now. Spoiler warning. Um uh, you have been warned. We will obviously spoil this episode, so it may be good to watch it uh, before listening to this podcast. Uh, we may also spoil a general Trek, um, sci-fi, and other <laughs> famous uh, TV shows, movies. And uh, we continue to strive to try and spoil reality, but uh, that's going to be a hard one. Uh, <laughs> we'll try to predict the future. Well, I... Uh... Before we get into the episode and, and our strange new takes, I, I thought that uh, uh, since this is the first time we've recorded uh, since learning about the death of Nichelle Nichols, uh, uh, the act- uh, she passed away, uh, I believe, slightly before we started recording, but we didn't learn and t- learn about it until afterwards. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I guess I'll op- open up the floor a bit, but obviously Nichelle Nichols is like one of the most important uh, uh, people in Star Trek, uh, and yeah, it just it's it's sad to see her see her go. Yeah, I think she definitely served as an inspir one of the primary inspirations. I think of all of the people who have been in Star Trek. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many stories that people have shared. Whoopi Goldberg shared the story, you know, of. Um, how excited she was to see mm-hmm. a woman on the bridge of the enterprise, you know, and she's not a maid. Um, Celia Rose getting wrote a really great um, kind of tribute or something to Nichelle Nichols. Um, and how like, she's like literally if she had not 
played this role, I wouldn't have, you know, be doing what I'm doing today. And anyway, it's just really, it's been really beautiful to read people's different tributes. And also, I don't know if any of you have seen this. I highly recommend it was a, it was especially good to see the day finding uh, on the day of finding out about Nichelle Nichols passing um, the documentary woman, woman in motion. I think she had like a, I don't know if it was a production company or something that was called women in motion. Um, Mm. But the name of the documentary is woman in motion. And it is about Nichelle Nichols, Um, you know, about her playing Uhura and then um, how they kind of tapped into that. She, she noticed that there weren't people that looked like her in the astronaut program at NASA. And so she jumped on and became part of their recruitment efforts um, and brought a lot more diversity to that incoming class that was going to be on the um, space shuttle missions. So um, anyway, it's a great documentary. I highly recommend watching it. If you watched it on Paramount Plus, definitely when you get to the credits, go over and select the credits so that you watch the credits because then you get a special treat of Nichelle Nichols singing um, she sings Fly Me to the Moon during the oh, really? credits, which is great. So um, anyway, it was a really great documentary. So I highly recommend it to people. Yeah, I'll definitely be it, uh, watching that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think for me, uh, since I like to dabble a bit in in, in NASA history and, and what it means for us as a species today and going forward, it is, it is you know, the, these things... They mean so much to people, right? Uh, like how Star, like Star Trek in general, what it means to us as we watched it as kids, um, inspiring, uh, you know, kids at young age to to break boundaries. That is, there is nothing more profound than that in in humanity, right? Like yeah. that that that's what defines us. Um, and so, just to add a little more detail, I have I have a, a press release from NASA here. Um, so Emily, it was yeah, it was the very next astronaut class appointed in in nineteen seventy eight uh, that included uh, Guy Bluford, the first African American in space, and Sally Ride, right, the mm-hmm. first American woman in space. So that's that's the, uh, the kind of impact she had. And as we continue forward, right, in the next few years, hopefully, um, the first. Um, woman in space and maybe even the first woman of color in uh, sorry not in space in on the moon mm. right mm. um these are these are really big milestones uh and nasa has actually you know associated that with michelle um in in one of their multiple press releases over that weekend uh, but i'll just again paraphrase what nasa said uh, nasa celebrates the life of michelle nichols star trek actor trailblazer and role model who symbolizes so many what was possible. She partnered with us to recruit some of the first women and, mi- and minority astronauts and inspired generations to reach to the stars. That's, that's really uh, momentous. Yeah. Well, uh, not, a, not a good way to transition here, but um, uh, maybe I'll, I'll frame things a little bit by we're going to transition to talking about the episode. Uh, I'll give us the episode summary as sort of a... Uh, transition point, and then we'll go into our, our strange new takes. Uh, oh, actually, no, I won't do the episode summary. I'm going to do the part where I say what episode this is, and then we'll <laughs> do strange new takes, and then we'll do that. Uh, okay, so uh, as we talked about ahead of 
this, uh, we are watching Deja Q, which is the third ep- uh, 13th episode of the third season of Next Generation. Uh, it aired on the 5th of February, 1990, uh, and uh, it was written by Richard Danis, or Danis. Uh, sorry, I do not know how to pronounce your name. Apologize for that. Uh, directed by Les Landau, and the in-universe date is 4353.9.1. Uh, which is 2366. Uh, this is the time when... Uh, Stardates uh, did matter. Yeah, Stardates <laughs> do matter. So there you go. Uh, who has... And by who, I mean, I have a strange new take because I'm the first one written uh, on this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it now. Uh, and the, the first one uh, that I'll give is... Uh, a a a bit of a sad one to update. I don't uh, I don't think I've appeared on the the podcast uh, uh, since this happened, but uh, I lost one of my chickens, Josephine, uh, on uh, early in July, and uh, I was pretty devastated about it. And um, but the reality is, uh, she had uh, two and a half good years. Yes, uh, that was outside of the uh, the egg factory farm that she uh, grew up on. And so I'm happy that we were able to uh, she was able to have more of her life uh, with us than uh, uh, in the bad place, as we call it sometimes. Yes. So, uh, yeah. But and she got to rule the roost while she was at your. Yes, house, she sure. she was in charge. <laughs> she got uh, all the treats first uh, and everything like that. But, yeah, uh, uh, just. Uh, she was great and uh, I miss her uh, for the episode itself uh, it's I, I, I had forgotten uh, but uh, this episode we or season three is when we got those uh, collars uh, for the the uniforms and that's usually the way that you tell if a if an episode of TNG <laughs> is going to be good is if they have collars uh, and yeah. it it turns out for this one so uh, glad to see that Well, let's see. I never, I always think I have a strange new take. And then when it's my turn, I don't have a strange new take anymore. But this isn't really a strange new take as much as it was just funny. So I don't know if any of you have cats or dogs, but cats like to go into things. You know, if you have a laundry basket, your cat's probably in it. A box or a bag, your cat's probably in it. You know, they just really like to go in those small places. But yesterday, (laughs) my dog was in my suitcase. So... (laughs) That was very surprising. I I think my dog wants to be a cat in his next life. So he's practicing um, as he, you know, enters the the later years of his life. He's going to be a cat. But anyway, it's very sweet. But he's my strange new take because he joins me. I don't know if you all know this, but he joins me every time we record the podcast. He's always laying right here in front of me. And um, if, if I don't let him in the room, he scratches at the door until I let him in. So he really <laughs> wants to be here during the podcast. So my strange you take for the episode is, wow, John Delancey is really tall. And I don't think I realized quite how tall John Delancey was until I saw him standing next to Worf. And I was like, is he taller than Michael Dorn? And he actually is taller than Michael Dorn. But Michael Dorn has makeup that kind of makes him a little taller. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, He's like 6'4". <laughs> wow, really? It's like, I don't know why I didn't know this, but so I spent the first five minutes of the episode looking up everyone's heights on Star Trek. <laughs> and actually, I have to say, Star Trek has a relatively tall cast. 
because I don't know, a lot of actors are much shorter than we think they are Mm -hmm. because they're just on big screen or whatever, you know, so, but a lot of them do not break six feet tall. A lot of the men especially do not break six feet tall, but quite a lot of Star Trek actors, men, male actors are at least six feet tall or pretty close or taller. So anyway, I just thought I would share that little tidbit that I found about how very tall John Delancey is. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we had a similar uh, uh, moment uh, this week at work where we, I, I uh, for some reason we started Googling people's heights and, and got into <laughs> Vin Diesel and uh, yeah. Is he short? Yeah, it, it, I mean, I think, uh, it came down to that he's like five eleven, uh, but it, it was. You just think he's over six feet tall, yeah. Right? But the, but there were all there were so many quotes of uh, about his height, and like one of them was like, "No one can doubt that he is uh, slightly above average in height," or something <laughs> like that. Like, why do we need to write it that way? <laughs> that is funny. Oh my goodness. Well, now you should have chosen to be a Klingon for sure rather than being a human, right? He would have got those right? extra yeah. inches with the cranial plates, right? Or ridges or whatever you call them. My strange new take for this week uh, is I went to see a movie, a UFO movie after God knows how long. Um, so I went and saw Jordan Peele's Nope. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen it. It Not was yet. very interesting. Uh, I, I'd seen Get Out. I haven't seen um, Us. Um, so I thought I was going to be prepared for being uh, unprepared, but I was unprepared. <laughs> um, if you like Get Out you sh- and you like, you know, UFOs and stuff, you should go see it. It's not what you expect. It's it's very interesting. I heard um, it was. I heard it. I had. Now I didn't read the article because I didn't want to spoil anything. But the title of the article said that he drew heavily from Star Trek's encounter at Farpoint, and I was like, "Well, now I have to go see it." So, oh, anyway. interesting. That it, <laughs> I know. I, that is. But I didn't want to read the article. Source material so. I would have thought about <laughs> that he would ever take from. <laughs> well, I've, I've, <laughs> well, I've, I've seen the movie, and I didn't think of that, but I can totally see that connect now in hindsight. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's it's not what you expect, uh, and I think it's I think it could have been a little better, but I think it was it was a good movie to watch um, in general. So so yeah, I recommend uh, going and and watching. Nope, uh, just to get a a twist on something that's already so mysterious, such as UFOs. Um, <laughs> and and then my take for for this episode. Um, it's always good to go back and see a TNG episode, right? Like yeah. in the intro sequence, the acting. It's um, like a warm blanket. I, I, I get to gauge <laughs> Patrick Stewart's age so much more by by comparing his performances in Picard to when he's like, you know, in, in the intro sequence, or just after the intro sequence, he's like, start eight, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wow, that was no wonder we were all like, oh, Picard as kids and teens because he was just so commanding right yeah. um um so yeah i like that i, I like that part and, and we'll talk more about it in the episode i don't know if it's the writing and the acting or it's you know my bias but i'm amazed at how these like you know these these series like tng and ds9 can create so much depth 
out of just simple writing and simple like character character dialogue and character relationships mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um minus all the production value right like i don't know I, I guess it's 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 hard to come by these days or or we've been jaded by 20 30 years of television and that's why we don't we don't we don't see it anymore like we've just seen too much yeah we we really don't need to get fancy with this episode for the most part it's uh we just we color some lights on uh whenever john delancey's in the frame or whatnot uh and <laughs> I, i'm sure there was some like rope trick uh stuff happening uh as he was like floating up or whatnot but uh yeah it's uh i i remember one thing that i was struck by as we started the episode was uh uh patrick stewart occasionally has uh very interesting pronunciations of uh, of different things and like the way he said asteroidal moon uh yeah. was <laughs> struck me uh but yeah so uh for the episode summary i pulled this from memory alpha as we always do uh this one says q is seeking asylum on the enterprise after he has been thrown out of the continuum and stripped of his powers uh yeah so that i that's loads and clothes and clothes <laughs> uh which which was important so uh let's see so th- that gives us a good sense of what the episode is mostly i guess about but we're missing mm-hmm. a little bit of the context uh which is that uh we're in orbit of uh Brielle 4 it has a captured asteroid for a moon and that moon's orbit is deteriorating uh especially threatening the western continent but uh even though it's an asteroidal moon it's pretty big, so I think that would that might kill every single person on the planet. Uh, but... Or cause our own ice age. <laughs> there we go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember which, if it was just if it crashed in the western continent or anyway. It, 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 was, it was funny hearing it, like, our own. Like, yeah, I Why, why did you qualify? She's like, I've read so much about the, the ice age on Earth from yeah. 10,000 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really just stood out to me. I'm like, that's a strange way to put that. <laughs> we would always laugh at you, Earthlings, for suffering all these ice ages, but now we may have our own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, well, was it, I imagine this was not a new episode for any of you, right? Mm-mm. I probably no, could have done this podcast without having watched it right before, but it was so good that I watched it right before. I actually finished the episode this week. For those back, of you who listened head. to us last week, <laughs> no, I didn't finish the episode. Oh, oh, you admitted that on the air? I, I did I, admit I haven't it on the to air. That episode yet. Oh yeah, I freely admitted. I said, now you all are going to get to the point in the episode where I can't be very specific anymore. I will talk oh, in were... broad strokes. You were just fine. I, I, I was. I was remembering. I think I said I admitted on the air that you probably know more than that that happened than I did, and I watched it <laughs> a few hours ago. Um, well, but... you know, the, I was thinking in this episode though the the context of the Brielle planet or whatever that was about to be, um, what that was being threatened by the asteroid is part of what makes it impossible for or hard for the crew to believe Q when he says he's been stripped of their powers because they're like, Oh no, this seems like something Q would do that. He would be messing with this planet. And, you know, and it sounded like the planet, like, sorry, the, the moon suddenly dropped out of a circular orbit and became like, you know, like, like an elliptical orbit, which, which was degrading. So it looked like 
it was unnatural, right? I mm-hmm. think the episode kept indicating that. But going back to your earlier question, um, Adam, on had you seen it before? I tried to go back uh, in my mind and and remember or try and think what I would have felt when I saw this for the first time. And that takes me, like, that's part of my my kudos to the writing here because I think if you watch it for the first time and you know Q, you know him from Farpoint mm-hmm. and whatnot after, you're not believing that this is, has, this ha- this is, this is him losing. Like, when you, when, you, when you watch it again, you're reminiscing and you're like, oh, this mm-hmm. is going to be fun. But, but, but yeah, like, and I was trying to like measure at which point or trying to track at which point I would have felt that, oh, okay, there's actually something wrong here. And there were like two or three in mind. We can go into that later. But I think the writing was, was intriguing enough to keep the first time viewer guessing if they mm-hmm. knew Q from before mm-hmm. or a bit at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I, I think I, I agree with you. I mean, the. I don't. I have no memory of the first time I, I I watched this. It's possible I was present in the room when I was two, uh, but I don't, <laughs> that that's not a particularly memorable uh, uh, time that I saw the episode. But uh, I I think I'm with you where it's it very much uh, in league with everyone on the uh, bridge of the Enterprise. It's it is hard to believe that Q does not have powers. And I, I wonder if maybe uh, Guinan might have been the first one to sort of uh, give the real confirmation of like, oh, no, Guinan would know. Uh, mm-hmm. She knows to like hiss and point at him uh, and hold up like her her hands <laughs> in a weird, a weird motion whenever he appears. Uh, and and I guess she didn't now, do it this time, right? She did not. Uh, because he didn't have his powers. Yeah, she <laughs> she was uh, smug she immediately. <laughs> Well, it was I also found it. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say. Uh, well, no, this is this is about the writing. So go, you could go ahead, Rudy. I was <clears> going <throat> to say the first time I think again. I was trying to I was trying to play act in my mind, or like I I, I knew <clears> the episode, so it's not like I um, I didn't know what was going to happen. But I actually felt the first time was kind of weird. Is when he's wearing that extremely plain outfit, like when they just clothe him, you yeah. know, even plainer than Wesley's plain outfits. Um, I was like, that is not something the, you know, effervescent and full of himself Q would do, right? Like he would, he's never, he's never, has he ever like come across as like a street bum or like a commoner or something at any point in time? He's always very extravagant in his Yeah, he's pretty flamboyant or, or, yeah. uh, Yeah, Yeah, I was like. I, I mean, I, I love I love that they talk about his outfit several times throughout the episode of how bad <laughs> yeah. it is, <laughs> and and also the look on Picard's face when uh, Q does get his powers back after he changes out of the mariachi mm-hmm. uniform or outfit, and he goes back into the Starfleet uniform, and the look on Picard's face. Of course, you put on a Starfleet uniform, kind yeah. of look, you know, but. And also that that's the first thing that he does once he gets his powers back is immediately changes himself into yeah, the yeah. Starfleet did, uniform. Did, did anyone did, did anyone ca- did did we get a set a, uh, did we see his pips? Because uh, I I feel like I remember oh, I that remember. In, in one of the episodes I think that there's like some uh, reference to like the number of pips that he gives himself or something like that. Yeah, but, I uh, know in I know in uh, all good things he has four. I mean he just gives makes himself a captain. But yeah, I think I think it's captain that he usually makes himself and not admiral. Uh, something I found. This... Oh, go ahead. 
No? <laughs> I keep trying to go to a different topic. Go ahead, Rudy. <laughs> I was just going to say that he doesn't have the same production value that the emergency command hologram has in, in materializing right. pips. That's 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 the one and all for for how uh, command pips need to materialize. Oops, sorry, Tucker. Sorry, I just scared my dog. I felt bad about that. Sorry, oh, no. and oh, all no. of you all got to hear that. <laughs> that poor Lower dog. species. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, but I interrupted you, Emily. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I thought this, I think this is a very funny episode and the writing is very funny. There's lots of yeah. great one-liners like, you know, what can I do to prove it to you that I'm human? You could die. <laughs> I mean, just so many little, little moments like that throughout the episode. Or I, I love the, um, the one when he says to Picard, um, oh, what was it? Hold on to find it. I'm going to read it because I will not. I've been entirely preoccupied by a most frightening experience of my own. A couple of hours ago, I realized that my body was no longer functioning properly. I felt weak. I could no longer stand. The life was oozing out of me. I lost consciousness. You fell asleep. <laughs> just so many great <laughs> moments like that. So I thought that was really fun and just kind of um, highlighting some of the mundane realities of being human that yeah. we don't think about. But um, they did a good job of highlighting those in a funny way. Yeah, and I was glad we didn't have to explain pooping or anything like that to Q. And he just, <laughs> yeah, we didn't go there. <laughs> he he uh, never ate anything, so he didn't need to. So oh yeah, because okay. he lost his appetite. That's yeah. Right. yeah, he did. Which that was also like a, a great moment of comedy of like, yes. what do people eat? Uh, uh, what like it's like when they're feeling terrible. Yeah. So he decides to eat. Uh, ten. Son. Yeah, yeah. He wants to eat ice cream, and it's like, oh, I'll order ten. <laughs> That I've I was never thinking, known anyone to order that many. I'm in a really bad mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I was thinking that that Q from a humor standpoint, I think he's actually at almost at par or at par with the best, like the EMH and and I mean the Doctor and and Garrick, right? Like mm-hmm. his omnipotence, like puts a different spin on it, right? Uh-huh. So, uh, but like even like silly stuff like you know he's like i'm human and then data's like running the track order on him and then data's like he's reading as human and then q is like what is there an echo in here or something like yeah this is data so much <laughs> um and and so so that's it's it's this it's a treasure trove of, of of uh famous quotes this episode Yes. Um, but then it also ties in. It ties in like like you 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 called out the whole data connect, right? The the interesting contradictory perspectives of humanity, right? I think mm-hmm. they did that really well. Um, in 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 how data looks at humanity and how Q does, uh, and Q starts off condescendingly, and then somehow he he starts, you know, he becomes. He actually exhibits the human, the human, the very common and now ever so common, even more so common trait of of self-deprecation, right? Like, mm. I suck, right? Mm. <laughs> um, and, and it's interesting because you don't quite really know if it's like the Q attitude or is that just another part of its humanity? Like if, if it was an episode yeah, yeah. In, in, in today's more, more uh, you know, self-aware uh, world of, of, of producing TV shows, they would have gone into that and double-clicked and triple-clicked on that on how Q is, like, hating on himself because because that is also humanity. 
So I, I like that arc, that that whole data arc, which I guess is the, is the core of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in in making us as humans feel more better about ourselves. I don't know. Do you think? Do you think that the episode was? I felt it was a little humanity conceited, right? Like, oh, even mm. the biggest and the most immortal and omnipotent can can you know can like humanity. I, I feel that about Star Trek. And and Q like we un, until Deep Space Nine actually Deep Space Nine shows how bad you can get but <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah we're, we're kind of full of, full of ourselves. Um, you know what's interesting? I just was thinking about this. Jordy is generally such a nice guy, but every once in a while they give him moments and episodes where he's just not like he's the least nice of everyone, and it's very Snappy. strange to see him that way because that's just not um but like you know when he's like in the in sick bay when Riker is trying to decide um what to do with Q oh, or something yeah. and and Jordy's like he's not worth it and it's like whoa Jordy like yeah that's yeah. totally not the vibe that they have going on the Enterprise D <laughs> like, <laughs> everybody's yeah, worth I, it I, but but like he's he's getting in the way of his warp engines maybe so it's like if you're uh yeah, it, it, you're involving yourself in Jordy's work and, and making him look bad. Like maybe mm, that's where you that could you, be. It's he easy to cross over. the line for for Jordy. Yeah. <laughs> but to your point, Emily, he's telling that to Riker, who probably hates Q more than anyone else on the ship, right? Right. Like, it's it's like why are you trying to convince the guy who probably hates him more than you? Yeah, so I see that. I see that, and and it's it's not like a gradual buildup of anger whenever it happens for Jordy. It's like sudden, so it's so unexpected. I can't think yes. of another instance, but but it really... <laughs> I think that's very engineer-like, right? They're just kind of like quiet and doing their own stuff. And then if stuff goes wrong or you like mess with them, like, all right, go get away from here. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, flip, right? flip out and... <laughs> like Scotty, like uh, fighting with the Klingons in Trouble with Tribbles because they say that the Enterprise should be hauled away as garbage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, good times, good times. <clears throat> I uh, something that that kind of struck me with the um, uh, since we're sort of going a bit on on the writing and whatnot is that uh, definitely like the the tone of '90s Star Trek is very different from uh, the way that things are uh, are done in in later Star Trek series. Like na- now, we are very much in that sense of like, no, humanity has fully transcended. It's uh, uh, sort of the the way things are in the twenty uh, 21st century or 20, 20th century and whatnot. And because uh, like Riker gives a, a, a speech about how um, uh, just sort of uh, like good natured humanity is by by kind of default, uh, which is interesting to hear. And I and I think, like you said, the uh, the way that we're using data and uh cues discussion about humanity and like what it means to become human uh is just it's it's a very interesting perspective that i think is is kind of hard to shoehorn into uh star trek episodes now like maybe the closest example i can think of is um how in strange new worlds like hammer is always able to like uh, have those like moments with uh, Uhura to talk about like death and like meaning and meaning and li- meaning of life and stuff like that, uh, which 
that should have uh, hinted to us that something was coming. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot of that, um, uh, that perspective floating around in uh, later series, but I, I don't know how you all feel about that. I don't know. I, I actually tend to agree with you, but I don't know if it's because I'm not able to, I think it even goes beyond Star Trek in the 90s where there was a lot of focus uh, or even in the early noughties, right? 2000s, mm-hmm. that's what you call them. On, on... I have never uh, heard that you before. Know, <laughs> with a no. <laughs> Not an A. Um, but but um, on, on robots trying to, you know, aspire to achieve humanity, you know, like with the iRobot movie and mm-hmm. obviously like goes back to Asimov and then Robin Williams um, Bicentennial Man movie and AI mm-hmm. and all of that so maybe I'm completely forgetting but over the last decade or so has, there haven't been too many like impactful strive to achieve because yeah there's like we all Humanity have the sucks. Yeah, we all have the Q view of humanity, which is like, this is so yeah. messed up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing, like, some important... I mean, there's... I, there's I, obviously West, There's Westworld, right? Like, that, that, that you, the new... The HBO okay, version. yeah. Yeah, there's that, but... but I mean, yeah, that's I, my I th- take. I, I think that that might be why, um, for me, it felt so powerful to see uh, uh, Pike's speech in the... Uh, was that the first? Fir- yeah, the first episode, yeah, the first episode. Of, of Strange New Worlds, where he sort of t- lays out like what happened to humanity, like in the early 21st century, and like how things have changed now. And it's just uh, the way that that was laid out. It it felt like something that I hadn't heard in a really long time, uh, and like that Star Trek was was getting back to to that sort of message specifically. Um, and yeah, you, you might be right that, that that's that's missing from uh, maybe media in general. And it's not just a uh, 90s Star Trek thing that's been uh, been gone for a while. Uh, how about we, we go and, and take a break here and then we'll come back with some more. You have brought nothing but pain and suffering to this crew. And I'm still not entirely convinced that all this isn't your latest attempt at a puerile joke. It is a joke. Joke on me, joke of the universe. The king who would be man. As I learn more and more what it is to be human, I am more and more convinced that I would never make a good one. I don't have what it takes. Without my powers, I'm frightened of everything. I'm a coward. And I'm miserable. And I can't go on this way. Welcome back, everybody. Uh... As things usually are, we just spent the break uh, discussing what we were going to be talking about next. And uh, speaking of that, uh, we have a topic, which is the uh, probably the thing we should have uh, led off with and should be the main function of this episode, which is uh, we, we are talking about this Star StarTrek.com uh, uh, sort of villains bracket that we're going through, but we're not entirely sure that Q is a villain, uh, is is uh, maybe w- worthy of kind of whatever bracket they're being evaluated on. He should beat Badgie, uh, b- 
but <laughs> I... <laughs> he did yeah. beat Badgie. It was a resounding. Uh, okay, nothing. that's that's good to hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I I uh, I believe you both have conflicting opinions here. So uh, who wants to to lead us up here? I think that Q actually is not a villain. I think Q is a trickster. I think Q. What what does Picard say? Q the misanthrope. <laughs> Q the <laughs> yeah you know, goes to the things that Q is, and I think he's a lot of those things. Um, but I and I talked about this on Picard also. I I just don't think call, calling Q a villain is the right terminology, or that's not really the role that he's playing. He's playing more of an adversarial role. Or uh, um, so he's mm-hmm. like cue the adversary or cue the um, antagonist. He's definitely, <laughs> good lord, my dog. He's definitely antagonistic <laughs> um, at times. But but I don't think he does it. He's not doing it to antagonize. Um, I think he's kind of like the second grade person you know the second grade kid that likes another second grade kid and like goes and pushes them <laughs> because they like because they like the other one you know i kind of feel like that's how cute is he he really likes picard and doesn't know how to express that properly <laughs> so he torments him <laughs> yeah he, so- he even calls out ex- explicitly uh in all the universe you're the closest thing i have to a friend jean-luc <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, John Luke doesn't buy that like for <laughs> one second, right? Like, and, and and that's interesting, right? Like the second grade analogy, um, Emily, because maybe Q at some point in time was stuck as a second grader, like maybe. messed up badly before he <laughs> doesn't remember it. Uh, yeah, it all goes down to like. So I'm not saying that that he's he's definitely a villain. I'm 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 trying to understand what the definition of a villain is, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like people who are like through and through evil. They always have been. Uh, like Goldicott kind of. Yeah. Well, like in no. reality, like everybody I grows mean. up as children, right? People are not evil, right? They 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 all they all start off normally and stuff goes wrong and 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 you can't you can't apply that to the cue. Um I think I think you you can the biggest compliment I could pay you is like he's like one of those really messed up instructors or coaches or professors or teachers who you know 100% believe that their way of dragging you through the dirt in 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 teaching you the ways of life is the only way that you will you will truly realize your full potential, right? So drill sergeant, uh, mm-hmm. you Boot know, camp the, yeah, like so stuff like that, and and it's interesting. Like I would even compare it, it's for the people who go through that process and come out successfully, right? You you like and realize your potential. You never stop to think that I could have realized this potential without going through that pain. You kind of pay pay homage to to that past to that to that upbringing you've had like i could have never been the person i've been unless i'd gone through all that pain and in a way it's it's that seductive charisma that i I almost find it comparable or analogous to how we feel about these charismatic charismatic leaders right who tell us stuff so but it's less painful so that's Mm -hmm. that's 
I think that's the most I can because if you look at Q in 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 Farpoint, right? Um, you don't you don't feel good about him throughout. Like he you 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 don't know what that is, and he's like some omnipotent being that's beating up on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see like for us humor, right? Like for for humanity, humor is a strong signal of not totally evil intent, right? So I, I almost feel like it confuses us a little bit, right? Like if we see humor in people and, and, and they're like being, being you know, cracking jokes and being funny and stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, you compare, you compare, uh, you compare Q to, to Loki, right? Um, from the yeah, Marvel yeah. universe, mm-hmm. right? Um, not a villain, but he is a villain, right? Like, and, and I wouldn't even know if an antagonist is not a villain, like, the opposite of a protagonist so you know good and bad uh that's where i stand so i'm not saying that he's through and through evil but i also feel that people aren't and you know he's selfish he's he's self-centered um he does have a soft spot for humanity they keep trying to bring that back Mm -hmm. every time in any episode or um you know in in any series or for Um, picard yeah yeah um but I think we get we get carried we get carried with this wave of him, you know, beating us up so that we realize our full full potential. And that's interesting. I don't know if that's healthy. Well, you know, I think Q does that in Encounter for a point, and he does it in All Good Things. He does it somewhat in Tapestry, um, and he does it in Picard. But there are so many episodes and encounters that they have with Q that really aren't about teaching them anything, you know? Like, <laughs> like it really is just like someone playing with... <laughs> he's just kind of messing with them and playing with them, not necessarily yeah. for a purpose. <laughs> Other than, I'm bored. I think I want to go play with Jean-Luc today. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I, I think that, that at least is one of the things that, like, that's that still tips... The, the scales for me into villain territory. So n- not necessarily that he's, he's sort of like outright evil, but uh, in the sense of like, he's omnipotent. And so uh, he is going to um, like things that he does for amusement are things that uh, are horrifying and scary and, and uh, 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 bad experiences for like the, the human beings that he's uh, involving himself with. Uh, because they're they're sort of put into these impossible situations, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, I I can see your your point there, Rudy, where it's there's um, there's similarities to Loki. I I think Loki uh, is much more the like reluctant hero and and whatnot when he does end up being not a villain like he he is on purpose trying to be a villain the entire time in a way that i do not think that q is i think it's simply that q is the is the jokester the trickster like emily said that it it's just the power differential is like what makes him uh perhaps villainous um and uh certainly they try to play that up a lot in the uh the first half of the uh um of Picard season two. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe slightly digre- digressing from the villain uh, core topic. I do feel this episode does a lot in, in 
trying to very logically identify how some something or some entity or somebody who's been omnipotent um, then you know loses those powers, how they will be completely you know out of out of place and unable to fend for themselves. Just forget physically from that point of mm-hmm. view, but like. Uh, you know, how Q, I think he kind of lucks out in giving that solution for like, you know, the warp bubble to reduce, like he says, change the gravitational constant, right? Of the universe, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like how like, you know, how as, as technology advances, we become less, uh, less, uh, lesser experts in DIYing technology <laughs> fixes ourselves, right? Because mm-hmm. we're so used to, um, so I think those aspects, like he has an IQ of 2000 plus, but he can't figure out how to solve this stuff because he, he in his omnipotent days, he could just change the gravitational constant. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I think there's, and there's tons of these other examples. So I think it's nicely done in this episode. Uh, and it kind of not, not tying it back to, you know, whether villain or villain or not, um, He's just very self-centered. He's all about himself, and mm-hmm. and he he he's never had to like. He says like you know I, I it's hard to work in groups if you're omnipotent. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> in my mind, right? Like, how could you have an omnipotent collection of people? Because then they're all omnipotent, but then they're not because omnipotent means you know everything, including the mind of something else. Um, mm-hmm. which is also omnipotent. So, I mean, I just can't process that, right? Uh, for me, like somebody being omnipotent, it's almost like the Highlander series. Like there can only be one at the end. If you have a collection of, of, of omnipotent beings, then they're all they're they're all equally knowledgeable, but none of them is omnipotent. So, mm-hmm. so um, uh, dear listeners of... of confused my fellow panelists here and they're out for a spin well i i uh, I, I, I think it, it's, it's one of those things where like the even this episode is like a little bit fast and loose with like okay so so he was definitely omnipotent but like is he all-knowing like he says he's all-knowing uh and uh and whatnot but and and so does the other cue that shows up but i'm not uh i, I it's it's almost like i i guess Certainly, if you are omnipotent, you probably have to be able to learn anything that you would want. Uh, so, so maybe there is. I, I, I guess uh, I've always had like that thought exercise that I've had in my head of like, well, omnipotent is not the same thing as being all knowing. But if you are omnipotent, you probably have the ability to know anything that you want. So, like, maybe they are mm. kind of identical, <laughs> or at least <laughs> one implies the other, rather. Yeah, and, and and my intent was not to confuse confuse y'all or, or digress. My point was this actually is in your defense, Emily. So as Adam suddenly pre- presented himself in supporting the villain theory, I changed sides. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> that, dear listeners, is the plot twist of today's. Yeah, I am the real episode. villain here, not not <laughs> not, not you. But if if something or somebody is omnipotent, right? Like higher knowledge usually skews towards being less evil right like you may not care you may be self-centered you Mm. may you may be ignorant you may be you may be inconsiderate you don't have to be benevolent but you're not evil right like that's my general thought in in these things 
you could have pure like evil. Like, I I don't mean to skew religious now in terms of the devil and Satan and uh, you know everything is in balance and therefore if there is benevolence there has to be something that is all powerful and evil but I generally feel omnipotent means that you know enough to like at worst case scenario not really care but not be like aggressively evil yeah I I, yeah, I, that's definitely getting into like uh, 17th century uh, type arguments of. <laughs> Let's get our like, togas and argue. Each of them implying the other and, and what. <laughs> 1700 BC, I say, not even 17. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, I don't think they wore togas in 1700. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I guess something that I'm a little bit curious like we get this uh q that has been completely stripped of his powers and he likes he says that he's he would be a terrible human but like as you said rudy like he was showing some of like the uh the most human qualities as he was getting into that like being depressed and thinking that you're worthless being ashamed of things like classic humanity traits uh that people have do you think we could have uh reformed him and turned him into a uh a, a worthy Starfleet officer uh, if if he hadn't uh, had sort of uh, the other Q show up and uh, prevent the Enterprise from beam, beam, beaming him back and whatnot? Wouldn't he have been dead? Well, I, I, he the only reason <laughs> we couldn't beam him back was uh, the other Q was preventing the beaming happening. Uh, so they would have been able to just get the shuttle back. Oh, and then uh, maybe it, talked with him more about Let's tap into these feelings of remorse that you're having. And these <laughs> I, I was going to say, right, like we, we didn't we didn't talk about the Calamarine, but they were pissed off. Right. Like yeah. the, Q2, Q2, the other Q said that, that they would have eventually destroyed the Enterprise. And I had no sense of that at, throughout the episode. So uh, of, the, of their abilities yeah. to do that, um, that was kind of weird. But yeah, they were really they were really pissed off. I I don't know. I totally agree with you. Like, with utmost respect for therapy, I think Q would have been like, like an order of magnitude worse than Barkley in in you know troubling Deanna Troy poor for like Tro- support. Poor Troy, seriously. <laughs> if he ended up being like, she's the one who escaped, uh, or like you know had had the most positive impact of him being going going back to being an omnipotent creature and an immortal because he would have been a mess. We wouldn't have wanted um, to inflict that on Deanna for sure. Yeah, I mean, he would have been just like this, you know, this really eccentric, self-loathing, self-absorbed genius um, who needs to have like waiting staff on him, and and uh, it, it's it's an interesting idea for a back like a backdoor pilot, right? Like a cue that that sort of just uh, doesn't make it. To, in, in the continuum and has to suffer uh, reality. <laughs> um, I, I, like, it, at least from how you're describing it, I'm like, uh, it feels like Gaius Baltar in uh, BSG is kind <laughs> of that, the character that, that you would end up. As. I, I see that. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. But I, I, I think the uh, overall, I, I feel like this episode is a, is a great one to see either in preparation to watching uh, season two or of Picard or mm. uh, like right afterwards. So I, I felt really satisfied seeing uh, the like very clear connection to this episode in particular, mm-hmm. uh, like talking about that, 
uh, Picard is, is his only friend and uh, things like that. Because I, I think that there is a tenderness there that that Q feels, even though, yes, he is incredibly self-centered and uh, has all these other, like, ridiculous character flaws and whatnot. But the, the, there is something sweet that I can see coming out of this episode that, that felt really satisfying getting into uh, season two's ender uh, for Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I appreciated, uh, uh, sort of seeing things come full circle here. Mm-hmm. I agree. I would, I would, um, you know, end by saying, um, that it's interesting how in every multi-god mythology or belief system, right, there is at least one individual or maybe more. Um, that have a soft spot for humanity, all the others don't care. Mm. Uh, but they're also they, they could be the same person who um, who also suffers from some of the weaknesses of humanity because they feel that emotion. They feel mm-hmm. that benevolence at the same time they feel they have their own you know human weaknesses. Um, I, Loki is not necessarily an example. Um, I'm, I'm trying to reach back into Greek and Roman mythology, Prometheus, Hercules is a half god, but but even even yeah. if you like even if you look at the Hindu system of belief, um, there are gods that are um, you know playful, have a soft spot for humanity and 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 I'm sure that exists in other multi-god belief systems. So it's it's a nice it's something that we as humans I don't want to say fall for. Uh, it's something that we like, like higher mm. powers that that you know play with us, which we don't like, but they have a soft spot for us, and mm-hmm. it's part of our it's part of our belief system as mm-hmm. as a species. Yeah, I uh, that 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 rings true to me. That the, I I have seen that connection like in in different mythologies that I've that I've read about, and I feel like there's also that. Um, that that's even like an opportunity for a lot of drama between gods uh is is uh sometimes like as you said prometheus like uh, explicitly punished uh for for that involvement with humanity uh and uh others maybe are more punished just because of uh sort of the the tragedy that comes from involving yourself with mortal beings and whatnot so that's that's an interesting point to bring up Mm mm-hmm and I think, like, even if you, you skew from, like, people who have a faith system, who have religious beliefs, to people who mm. are agnostic, to people who are, you know, even atheistic, and, and but, but like sci-fi, it, it's still, it's still, like, we as humans cherish that concept, even though we feel, it, even though we may believe it's fictional, of, of something that mm-hmm. is playful and more powerful, it maybe even transcends, like, you know, focused and serious religious belief, like, no matter what your beliefs are, it's always fun to dabble or think about something that's more powerful but playful and and therefore enticing but risky and, you know, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, like, far more people, like, uh, enjoy reading about Greek mythology and, like, uh, think it's it's fun to learn about or, or like, stories in it than actually, like, literally believe in the uh, Greek mythology. So I, that, that definitely makes sense to me. And yeah, in the MCU universe, I mean, like in the MCU system, like Loki is, I think, my favorite character um, outside of Thor. So, yeah, or both of them are because they're just mm-hmm. funny and, and human-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So another show I recommend um, if you if you've not seen it, Loki. Yeah, I was surprised by that one because I, I I will admit that I kind of wasn't interested in Loki's character until watching that series, and it and it's one of my favorites of the uh, the shows. That and it dies to this episode uh, again. Yeah, I won't it really go does. Too much in, in spoiling, but it dies to this episode and the construct of what's happened to. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, well, uh, with that, is, is there anything else that we want to, uh, bring up before we, I don't know, have we been doing ratings? I didn't listen to the previous episode. We have been doing ratings. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we get into ratings for this episode? Yes. Um, I, I can get started. Uh, I will give it, I will give it nine and a half, um, rogue asteroidal moons <laughs> out of ten. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just the simplicity of the episode and, mm-hmm. and, and how they touch upon humor, more existential stuff as you know, aspiring for humanity and, and the weakness of humanity and the and the two sides of the same coin and the conversation between data and, and Q. Um, you know, a little bit of selflessness, mm-hmm. um, you know. All all that fun stuff. So it's it's yeah, nine point five out of ten for me. Yeah, I I think I'll I'll go for a, a similar rating of like uh, nine, uh, because it's like this very easily could have just been like a filler episode of the season. We've talked about how like since there's uh, there's so many episodes that they did each season in the '90s that like some of them are gonna just be like oh whatever we just we had to write an episode this week so mm-hmm. we just did one, uh, but it's like it's funny. It's uh, like I mean John Delancey's. Uh, incredible whenever he's playing Q it's just a the the characters play off each other really well like we're at the part of TNG where the actors and the writers are like comfortable with the characters that we have established on the sh- on the show so mm-hmm. there's not um there's not some of the like stiffness and awkwardness that there is in the first season uh and yeah a, a lot of it just like comes together and it's delightful and yeah there's there's some like kind of dumb parts or uh, things that are just straight up goofy but it's it's fun and yeah. uh so yeah i i, I enjoyed this one especially yeah, I, the the guinan stab yeah the guinan stab is pretty yeah. iconic <laughs> no i definitely i would give this also uh 4.5 out of 5 because it just has it just has all the things you yeah. know it's got the humor it's got characters that we love to hate it's got um uh i mean we get to see aside from Jordy, we get to see them all play familiar you know kind mm-hmm. of familiar roles that we see them play but we also get to see um uh data really live into his humanity which yeah, is always yeah. chasing um and we see uh, you know, there's kind of some nice uh, touching moments with what Q kind of feels in the wake of Data touching into yeah, his humanity. Yeah. And anyway, so there's just it's just got the whole range of good Star Trek stuff. Absolutely. Uh, well, with that, I think we're ready to go into the end credits. Uh, so I want to thank you, Emily and Rudy, for uh, joining me today uh, to discuss our latest villain selection. Yes, thanks, Adam. It was fun. Thank you, Adam. And I want to also thank uh, uh, Max, Bill, Dinah, and Notch. Uh, whatever you all are doing, wherever you all are, I think I've done it backwards, but I hope you're having a good time anyway. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I want to give a thanks also to our listeners for uh, tuning in every week. It's uh, just 
great sharing our opinions with you and we'd love to uh hear back from you on on your selections this week maybe you have an argument for badgie uh love love to hear it uh Mm -hmm. also thanks to jishnu guha for our theme music uh we'll see this time if i'm able to time up me saying theme music to the actual uh guitar strumming away so stay tuned uh well you've just found out whether i did it or not (laughs) Uh, i can already hear it yeah there you go so uh Special thanks to Q. No, not not that Q. Uh, the other one, the guy that shows up at the end. Thanks for giving Q his powers back. Thanks, everyone, and bye. Bye. bye.